Good morning again, ladies and gentlemen. And please uh, join me in welcoming our webcast viewers to today's program. My name is Jennifer Sloan. I'm the president of the Canadian Club of Toronto, and we thank you for um, joining us, our viewing audience. The Canadian Club has a long history as the leading current affairs podium in Canada, led by a volunteer board of directors, were dedicated to encouraging open and accessible debate on issues that matter to Toronto, to Ontario, and to our country. Through our youth and young leaders programs, civic action, diversity partnerships, accessibility commitments, as well as through our media partnerships and social media properties, we provide opportunities for Canadians around the world to engage with leading political, business, and public figures. Thank you for joining our conversation today. Before I formally introduce our special guest, I'd like to tell you about some of our upcoming events this season. On December 18th, join us as Frédéric Odea, Chairman and CEO of Société Générale, discusses adapting the banking model to the 21st century, followed by a conversation with CIBC's President and CEO, Victor Dodig. And on January 6th, the Canadian Club, in partnership with the National Post, will be hosting our 38th annual financial outlook with an expert panel reflecting on the economy, the markets, and political issues that will affect Canadians in the year ahead. This year's panel will be moderated by our own Canadian Club board member, Bruce Sellery, and will feature Conrad Black, Terence Corcoran, Andrew Coyne, Diane Francis, and Warren Justin. For a full listing of the club's upcoming events, and to order tickets, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. You can also join the conversation via Twitter and Instagram by following us at CDNCLUBTO or by using that hashtag. I'd like to welcome two groups of youth and young leaders who have joined us this morning. The first is the Monk School's Master of Global Affairs Alumni Network and Thornhill Secondary School, which is Miloš's alma mater. Tables are sponsored by Bordner Ladner Gervais and Blair Franklin Capital Partners. Students, young leaders, welcome. I'd also like to acknowledge two very special, important people in the audience today, Deshaun and Vesna Ronich, Miloš's parents. It's an honor to have you both with us today. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, for 14 years, our club has presented its Canadian of the Year Award to distinguish Canadians whose efforts and example have improved the lives and benefited us as a nation. From entrepreneurs, business leaders, artists, philanthropists to high achievers, they have all made us proud. This year, this year's Canadian of the Year is no different. Our, po our podium is proud to recognize Canada's top ranking professional tennis player, Milos Ronich. At the, yes. 
At the ripe age of 23, this trilingual pro became the first player from Canada to break the top 10 in the Emirates ATP rankings. He has also won six ATP world titles. Now, from personal experience, I know that Milos can sometimes be on the wrong court. At Wimbledon this year, I was on center court on July 3rd, only for Milos to be on court one. So not to be outdone, I commandeered a TV on the center court rooftop patio and got plenty of champagne to watch you win your spot in the semifinals by beating Nick Kyrgios in four sets. I'm loud, Milos, so perhaps you heard me yelling from the patio. Well done. <laughs> There's more to Milos, who turned pro in 2008, than his lightning fast serves. He also cares deeply about children. He's created the Milos Raonic Foundation to support children from disadvantaged backgrounds. And while the foundation is relatively new, it's already had a tremendous impact. Its current focus is on children with physical disabilities, particularly those in need of prosthetic devices. And in this regard, patients at Holland Blurview have been the beneficiaries of Milos's generosity. A little later, Canada's top tennis pro will be joined in conversation by Ivanka Ozmik one of Sportsnet's most popular anchors. Ms. Ozmak holds a civil engineering degree from Queen's University and a radio and television broadcasting diploma from Seneca College. And she's been tracking the tennis star's career for several years. But right now, I'd like to invite Milos, um, um, sorry, I'd like to invite us all uh, to turn our attentions to the screens. Two people that have always been the closest to me on a day-to-day -day basis, but never really involved themselves with the technical part of tennis were my parents. The deal was you can play as much tennis as you want as long as you keep your academics like we expect. And uh, it's really those people that I have around me still that maybe don't know everything about tennis, but know me well enough to help lead me and direct me, that make uh, the difficult stages easier and that make the good moments even better. When I think about it, I can't really recall too much from the match. It's one moment that I can remember quite well, is a moment in the motions, but not really so much how it happened. It's very critical having people not only that are there to help you as professionals, but also there because they care. Coach, as a Finnish trainer, as pretty much everything, as a physio, you sort of really involve yourself in it. And to know you have people that not only you feel like you're sacrificing putting everything else into it, that they are as well, it gives you sort of that uh, stability. Breaking into the top 10 uh, was a big goal for me. Really for it to happen there was uh, like uh, weight off the shoulders um, but at the same time as right after you take that sort of sigh of relief you sort of realize it's just a stepping stone and you want to achieve more than that so you're happy with it but you're not satisfied by any means.
the goals would be to do better in the bigger tournaments. I know that if I improve and if I develop, the ranking, the points, and all those numbers beside your name will come. Milos, will you join me on stage, please? This award is something we at the Canadian Club of Toronto take very seriously. We subjected a list of well-qualified nominees to a rigorous selection process. And by the end of that process, we were left with a name of a Canadian who has, through his contribution and inspiring achievements, clearly made a positive, lasting impression on Canada and around the world. It gives me great pleasure to present the Canadian Club of Toronto's 2014 Canadian of the Year Award to Milos Ronic. Thank you very much, everybody, for coming out this morning. To receive this award is such an honor. I would like to thank the Canadian Club of Toronto for, for going through a rigorous process and uh, picking my name out. Um, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a great year. It's been a great few years uh, playing at the top level of tennis, really trying to, trying to make my mark, trying to keep always getting better, try to find new ways, and uh, trying to reach my goals. This year, I was able to achieve a lot of goals that I set out for myself, um, which I hope, uh, I hope that one day they just seem like stepping stones and I can achieve a lot more. I want to continue getting better. I want to continue doing better. I would like to thank Tennis Canada for helping me out rigorously for many years. I'd like to thank Preb Mwatsa and his family for being great supporters of me and uh, helping me out in numerous ways, uh, directly with my tennis, away from my tennis, and uh, giving me that sort of uh, vision on many things uh, for my life during tennis and my life after. And most of all, uh, people that are there every day. Uh, every single phone call, I speak with them every single day. Some days it's 30 seconds, some days it's a few hours, but I'd like to thank my parents. Um, they didn't drive me at 5 in the morning to tennis then back to school, then back to tennis, then back to uh, home, and uh, sort of give me that possibility to do all this. I would never have one-tenth of the opportunities that I have nowadays, and I'm trying to really make the most of it on the court, off the court, trying to make a difference, trying to help kids. And uh, it's really special to be up here, but it's also special what I get to do every single day and how I get to participate and what I love the most and how I get to sort of touch as many people as I can. Thank you. Now, before I turn the stage over to Ivanka and Milos, I'd like to encourage our live audience to take the opportunity to participate in this conversation by filling out the question cards that are available on your table, and our volunteers will come around to collect them. Ivanka? Milos, we look forward to your conversation. The Canadian Club of Toronto stage is now yours. All right. Where do you go? Going here? I'll go here. Okay, you go there. I'll go here. 
are comfy seats. It's an early morning. Comfortable seats are good. Comfortable seats are good in the early morning. I was going to say, how are you feeling? Not just because you were up at 7 a.m. or even earlier. I know you had an event last night, but how are you feeling? Your quad? You had to withdraw a couple weeks ago from the tour finals. Yeah, everything's everything's good. Uh, we sort of uh, last night for for the fundraising event with my foundation alongside Tennis Canada, we sort of create a few obstacle courses. So I think I definitely put through my leg through some rigorous tests and it held up pretty well. <laughs> so if I were to take you on in a tennis match, I might have a chance. Um, or not really. Okay, let's move I on. Hope, move I, on. I, I hope not. I, I, got, I hope not. I take away some, your serve and everything. Yeah, I might have to find something else. <laughs> so Canadian of the Year honors. Canadian, like not Canadian athlete, but Canadian of the year. You moved from Montenegro with your family, or your family moved with you, uh, to Canada when you were three years old. So what has Canada, and what has being Canadian meant to you and your family? Well, I think there's, there's two, two aspects of it. Um, all the tools it's provided me with, uh, learning how to deal with different situations in such a diverse community. Uh, around the world with how much we travel, it makes, it makes that aspect of uh, being on the road, dealing with the pressures on the road, dealing with the stresses on the road, away from family, uh, around mostly strangers, even, even though it's people you know uh, for a few months at a time, it, it still takes uh, a lot of time to grow uh, comfortable around them. Uh, it's made that a lot easier. It's given me a lot of tools through education, through, through the tennis system here of, uh, of discipline and sort of knowing how to go about things because uh, as I learned through tennis and, I, and school as well, uh, something my parents instilled in me very well, hard work always pays off. And I think the most tragic thing is when you don't have the patience to wait for that moment for it to pay off. And I think also Canada has been great to my entire family. Uh, gave my parents uh, a great working possibility to be able to create opportunities for myself, my brother and my sister. Gave uh, my brother and my sister great education. Um, I saw there's a table here from Ryerson. My sister did her master's degree there. Uh, so sh she had a great time there as well. So it's, it's given us so many possibilities in so many ways. And it's really been up to us to execute and achieve what we want. Do you feel Canadian on, when you're on the tour around the globe internationally? Do you, you, know, you see the maple leaf flag or the red and white? And, and how proud of you are you to re represent the country? It's the most amazing part, I think, uh, especially with how much tennis has grown in Canada. But I think more importantly, how much the respect for Canadian tennis has grown around the world has been the most significant change. I think if you do well, on the international stage, your nation will get behind you. But it's the kind of sort of respect and fear that has, uh, had a, that has been instilled for Canadians competing on the world stage. That's the most special part because there, often you will see Canadian flags out there. And there's often moments where it's people supporting because of the players that they want to support and them not being Canadian. And that's just their way of showing uh, their respect. And it's great, really, to see that and to know that kind of presence is there.
So you can definitely feel that because I know, I'm sure a lot of us here are tennis fans and the reason we're here is because of you. But the buzz, the buzz you hear around the country, you know, especially this year, 2014, with the Wimbledon success that you and Eugenie Bouchard had, everyone's talking about tennis. It was on the front page of the papers. And that, at least I've never seen that before happen. So you feel it as well in the popularity of the sport? Yeah, I get to, I get to feel it every once in a while. Um, with, with the travel schedule I have, it's... Uh, it's a few times a year I get to really come back and be in Canada, and that's when you sort of feel the significant changes uh, with, with the reactions around tennis, with the participation in tennis. You sort of see the numbers, but I think it's more so that emotional connection you have with people when they say and when they feel like they're part of something, and that's, uh, that's the part that sort of blows you away the most. Let's talk about 2014 on the court. You mentioned you, you had a great year, which you did. Uh, you reached your first Grand Slam quarterfinals at the French Open, semifinals at Wimbledon, then cracked the top 10. You reached number six. You won another tour title, six uh, ATP tour title. Davis Cup, you guys won again in Halifax. That was a great return and a win against Columbia. And then Big check off the list. Beat Roger Federer in Paris a few weeks ago, about a month ago. It's huge. And that was significant because that kept your playoff chances alive for London, which you did, in fact, qualify for. So how would you sum up 2014, and where would you rank those accomplishments? Um, the most significant one, uh, I think, building me, uh, building character. Um, it was actually the most enjoyable, but at this, still to this moment, probably the most painful um, is semifinals at Wimbledon. I think that sort of uh, prepared me and has taught me so much and has given me such a bigger vision for, for what's to come next and how to go about things. I think that's uh, the most significant moment in my career to date, and I hope, uh, I hope that I can do all the things I want to achieve and just look at it as something that happened as in 2014 to sort of get my way to the top. Do all the things you want to achieve, what are they? I want to be the best player in the world. How much does experience help? So now you've been, to, you've been to a quarterfinal, you've been to a semifinal, you're in the top 10. So how much does the experience and being there help moving forward? It's, it's very hard to cheat on experience, I think, with anything in life. You have to go through your moments. You have, to, you have to face the good things. You have to deal with the tough moments. And you have to build on from it. And you have to always just go out there and try to be better, deal with it better. And it's the same on the court. Um, I have to have my moments. Some of them are going to be very difficult to accept. Some of them are very hard to stop enjoying. But... Um, Everything has a purpose. It makes me a better tennis player. But I think more of all, it builds my character and makes me a better person. And I, and I try to sort of reflect that in many ways off the court as much as I can as well on the court. So we have a question from the audience. Uh, what is the greatest challenge or failure you have faced on your road to success? The greatest challenge uh, is myself, actually, most of the time. Um, I find sort of, uh, and my family can attest to this, when uh, I'm at my sort of happiest and clearest in my mind is when I can achieve my most. And uh, at 23 years old, it's not really easy to know yourself that well. So I think it's 
it tends to be myself that's most of the time my greatest challenge, making sure that I'm always getting better uh, on the court and also making sure that I'm happy with the way I approach things and the way I deal with things off the court and uh, trying to sort of make a positive change. I think that sort of uh, gives you a lot more peace inside and it gives you a lot more clarity on what it is you want to do and how to go about doing it. Um, let's get back to the Roger Federer win in Paris about a month ago. And um, I noticed after you won in straights, you gave a very polite fist pump, which I thought was very respectable. But inside, were you not like jumping up and down? Or I know I was. Was anyone else here? Like that was a very exciting moment. No, it was your first in seven matches, first yes. win in seven matches, and against a living legend, Roger Federer. Yeah, and now this is going to come off as a little harsh, but um, <laughs> it wasn't so much the thought of, wow, uh, I finally did. I beat Roger Federer. It was more so the arrogant, competitive thought of, it's about time. That's good. Though. It, it was frustrating losing those two matches that I lost to him earlier this year, so uh, I needed to get that monkey off my shoulders. Right. Um, and how about, it's about time to beat the big three consistently, Novak Djokovic, Federer, Rafael Nadal. They have been so dominant um, for years, so what is it going to take for you to beat them and beat them consistently? I think... Constant progress and improvement are the main thing, but I think the, uh, the thing I can take from the most is the experience that I have picked up. This year I was fortunate enough to be consistent enough and uh, face them every week in the top events, and I think that taught me uh, great lessons that I can use on a day-to-day -day basis, and I think that's why I was dealing with it better towards the end of the year. And with more and more reflection and time with my team, I will be able to deal with it much better next year, and I think... Uh, Next year, is, next year is the year that I can do a lot more than I did this year. How much uh, does mental play a part in it? I mean, we know physical is obviously a, a huge factor in the game, but what about mental and getting over those hurdles? Well, mental, I would say, is the, probably 70% of tennis. Really? I'd say 70% of tennis is mental, 20% is your own ability, and 10% is how much you can adjust with the other guy and sort of learn to deal with the other guy. So if you don't have that mental aspect, which I think is one of the greatest lessons from tennis because it carries over into so many things, if you're willing to adapt and learn how to incorporate it, it's, it's tough out there. It's, uh, tennis has a really significant light on it, but most people don't see it's really very few super successful players that get all the attention. And it's, but it's for that moment uh, and that reason as well. I think it's one of the most beautiful sports. It's really the only sport in the world where you watch it on TV, you see an athlete's emotions and connect with an athlete for an hour and a half only. It's two guys that really just are there in front of you. And I think that's what makes probably tennis the most special sport. What is a day in the life of Milos like when you're training and when you're on the full circuit, which seems like you're always on the schedule? Yes, uh, actually, that starts uh, pretty much on Mondays for the off-season training, fortunately enough. My mom is kind enough to come and, uh, I would say, do the boring job of just preparing me food so I can stay healthy for three weeks. Oh, that's nice. So that's very sweet of her. What do you do without moms? Exactly. So for her, it almost ends up being wake up early, help me with breakfast. 
I'm not sure what she does most of the day. Then I come back and <laughs> details, dinner's there. Details. And then dinner's there. So she, she spoils me in that way. But my day will start around 8 in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll start with uh, sort of getting my body in the right shape, making sure everything's okay. Um, and then I'll do a session of fitness and tennis. And another session after, after lunch. And I'll, I go from about 8 in the morning till 8 at night for three weeks. And does that change depending on um, what surface you're playing on or how you practice? No, uh, this, is, this is the time of year to do the dirty work. This is the time of year you don't complain. This is the time of year you don't listen to your body too much and you, and you push it to sort of reach new limits and sort of break new ground and uh, give yourself the possibility to sort of refuel and amp up your level as much as possible for 2015. And this will continue until the Australian this Open? This will continue. Even through the first tournament of the year, and mm -hmm. this sort of tends to slow down five days before the Australian Open. That's what we sort of try to hone in because then we sort of buy ourselves six weeks of training rather than just the three weeks leading up, leading up before the Christmas holidays start. So there's, there's a good question from, from the floor. What inspires you to do that last push-up when you're totally spent? And I'm already spent listening to what your first day will be like. So, yeah. so how, do you, how do you keep going and, and what motivates you? Um, Wanting to always be better, but I think because I'm the kind of person that hates losing more than I enjoy winning, I think it's uh, more so um, being uh, sick of where I am at that moment and always wanting to be better and just sort of trying to figure out every single hurdle and knowing that that effort is the only thing that can get me through it. Um, we mentioned popularity in tennis, of tennis in this country. Um, the Davis Cup is a great example of that. And the few times it's been played in the country over the past few years, and the crowds. I haven't been to a Davis Cup event. I don't know if any of you have. But the crowds seem fantastic. They're really into it. It's not your typical tennis crowd. They're actually loud and noisy. Um, what have they been like for you to play in front of, like, specifically this time in Halifax in September? Yeah, it's uh, every single time in Vancouver and Halifax, uh, participating many years ago um, when we weren't even in the world group in Calgary, all these moments have been really amazing towards us. Uh, they've actually put a big spotlight on not just one player, which you normally see on a week-to-week -week basis on the tour doing successful and being successful as a Canadian, but you get to see a team. And I think the most significant part was uh, when we played the semifinals against Serbia in 2013, uh, in Serbia, the way that 400 plus Canadians were able to sort of drown out a very rowdy crowd of, of 10,000 plus Serbians, which, trust me, having that background <laughs> from former Yugoslavia, it's a hard thing to do. Um, there was a selfie that Thomas Burdich posted on Instagram that went pretty viral uh, ahead of the World Tour Finals of all you, the eight players. Yes. And... Um, so are you guys friends? I mean, you're competing yeah. against each other, but do I you think, actually get along? Yeah, everybody does. Everybody's very respectful to each other. There's really no vendettas against one another. I think everybody just leaves it out on the court. And uh, tennis is a very black and white sport. Uh, you either win or you go home. So there's really not much controversy to, to, to let hang over a relationship, a friendship on tour. And, for how much we travel, 
you see you see those people a lot. So it's very important that you have a good relationship with them. And I think it's very rare, especially in individual, but I think even in team sports to have the kind of relationship that we have on the men's tour. And uh, it's something very special. Because I don't think the I don't know if the women's tour has that. You yeah, there, there, was, there was there was there was there was some comparison photos being done yeah, during during the finals. That. But uh, did everyone see that comparison photo? All the guys, all the eight gentlemen, you you know, were standing huddled close together in Burdich's uh, view, and the ladies were all just lined up, not looking at each other. <laughs> the top eight. They need yeah. to take a lesson from from you guys. Uh, has there been a player that has been a mentor on the ATP? Um. Obviously, my coach, uh, the two coaches I've had specifically the last uh, three and a half years, alongside a, a Canadian that was really great towards me, Fred Niermeyer, uh, have really helped me out a lot. But I think probably the one person, maybe just because of some cultural and background similarities we have uh, of the way I was raised at home and so forth, uh, Novak Djokovic has helped me out in many ways. and. Uh, He's a face I see a lot, not just at tournaments, but uh, actually I'll see a lot when I'm training and with my team in camp, and he's, he's been great about those things. Um, now this is a question about how much of an impact do you and Eugenie Bouchard have on each other? Do you speak with her at all during the year? Yeah, we're, we're in touch. We have, we have quite a few tournaments combined, especially leading up to US Open. After that, it's sort of uh, the two tours split up, and it's quite distant, but... We keep, we keep in touch. It's great to see when she does well. And uh, it's, it's, very, it's very respectful. And uh, it's, at the same time, you, even though it's not on two tours and tours are very different, uh, it's for sure competitive as well. Um, OK, that's all the on-court. Let's talk about some off-court. And at 23 years old, you are the youngest on the ATP tour that has a foundation, Neil Schraunich Foundation. Um, so talk to us about that. I know you had the event last night, Round yeah. of Race for Kids. Yeah, it's uh, something I decided to start with, uh, with my parents. Um, they do pretty much all the work. I, I lend my face and my body when I can. Uh, I have a rigorous schedule, so they do alongside Tennis Canada. They've uh, set up a great event for three years now. Um, the Milos Raonic Foundation is specifically focused on kids with uh, physical difficulties. Um, the last two years, we've helped specifically uh, Holland Bloorview. Um, the first year, we opened an activity center for kids uh, learning how to use their new prosthetic devices, making the adjustments easier. And also, we helped in research of a low-cost knee uh, prosthetic for kids in third world countries. And this past year, we've really focused on uh, creating an activation program for kids with uh, prosthetic devices to be more active in, uh, in a day-to-day -day community with kids that, uh, that the community believed needed to be more active as well, get them outside of the house. And I think the most special part about the project we've worked on this past year is not only how it helps the kids in a physical way, but I think how it helps them socially, giving them that confidence around other kids and being active and making a difference. And we're really just trying to continuously help in that aspect. Um, my goal always start, starting the foundation has been uh, to grow it alongside my career. I know right now my time is very 
sort of limited in uh, what I can really do and how I can allocate it to making a difference. But I want something to be there established for when I do finish my career that I can take more time and really put all the right attention into. Well, that's a big reason why you're being honored today for Canadian of the Year because of the time you are devoting, even though you, know, you don't have a lot of time, as you said. You're only 23 years old. So why add this to your plate? Like, Why was it so important? My, uh, I got hurt in 2011. Uh, I had to go through hip surgery. It was tough. I just broke through. Uh, I went from 150 in the world at the beginning of the year, and I was within the top 40 pretty quickly. So I, I had to go through uh, a surgery, and I was spending three months uh, doing the basic things of just relearning how to walk. And the mind goes all over the place uh, <laughs> at that moment. And it was really, that's probably the moment when I realized most everything my parents did for me, uh, that they made every ambition and every goal I wanted possible. And starting the foundation was really based on giving parents the possibilities to do the same for their kids and trying to remove any obstacles uh, that could be in their way so that the kids have the option and the choice. If they want to achieve something, they can. Uh, You mentioned some downtime. I know you're a uh, huge basketball fan. You were yes. at the Raptors game the other yes. night. Uh, it's a good time to be a Raptors fan. It is a very good time. <laughs> Not so much three, four years. Yes. Uh, so, so would you be playing basketball if you weren't playing tennis? I would like to be playing basketball. There's a, <laughs> uh, there's a lot more factors than, than just my mind in this It's one. all mental. 70% yes. mental, right? Yes. Um, I would like to be playing basketball. I think uh, for me it's... Uh, probably away from tennis, and especially when the year's over in tennis, um, the sport I enjoy to watch the most and follow the most. And you hooked up with Steve Nash this summer. Yes. Remember, you had a week off, but you did not play basketball. No, we played tennis. What? <laughs> yeah, we played some tennis. Um, he's very good. <laughs> oh, is he? He's very good. He's, a, he scram a... he's a scrambler. Okay. So he's, he's got the legs underneath him. Uh, he could work on his shots, but the legs definitely help. <laughs> okay, we'll give him some time. He's, he's got some free time right now. Um, and I understand fantasy football. And this, yes. this is dear to you right now because you're in a serious competition. I'm in a very serious Nestor. competition. Um, I'd like to point out that we started a perfect 8-0 to start the year. Uh, you yourself. I, I will Do you have a team? Uh, this, oh, is, okay. this is where oh, okay. it gets team. technical. The thing I believe when it comes to team sports being a good owner of a team, even if it's a fantasy team, <laughs> is about hiring the right personnel. Okay. I found two general managers that I believe heavily in. They did their work. They will be rewarded. Are they in this and room today? No, they're not. They, uh, they're at they home got working, jobs. Uh, away. Being a fantasy football <laughs> manager is not a full-time job. Okay. Um, they will be rewarded, and my biggest reward is the smack talk I get to have on tour. Over Daniel Nestor specifically, Many, many right? guys. There's many, many guys. But yes, Daniel specifically. OK. <laughs> um, here's another question. How often did you play matches in high school? Every weekend. Uh, uh, my dad mostly can attest to that. Friday nights, we, uh, most of the tournaments would be out in St. Catharines. Friday nights, 4 o'clock drive out to St. Catharines, play one match, drive back at 11 at night. Um, most of the time I was sleeping in the car, so I'm sure 
he, he felt the three-hour drives a lot more than I did. Uh, early Saturday morning, head out St. Catharines, play two matches, come back Saturday night. Sunday was the exact same thing. And we, I would say we did this three weekends out of a month. And uh, not once was it ever an issue. Not once did a tournament I wanted to compete in. Uh, my parents say, sorry, we can't do it this weekend. Every, every possibility and every single thing uh, seemed very easy for them, even though I know it wasn't. And uh, the one thing I can attest to the most, uh, since we moved to Canada, not because the choices uh, and the options haven't been there, but uh, I don't think there's a single day that me or any member from my family has spent in Toronto or in other parts of Canada without them being there. Uh, they haven't taken a single vacation without us. Uh, they've always been around us, helping us every single day, and they continue to do so. And I'd say now they're probably more instrumental than ever. So they deserve part of this award. Yes. Yeah. What advice would you give to young Canadian athletes who are striving to become professionals? Um, the greatest advice uh, and thing that I have learned through tennis, it's not just for athletes. I think it's, it's something I tried to incorporate into everything. And I think it's uh, something that does incorporate into every aspect of life. Hard work always pays off. Um, I think you'll have uh, many people that are willing to work hard for a certain amount of time, but I think the people that really stick through it, there's very few people that will ever complain that their hard work hasn't paid off. And I think you, you can see that through many people throughout this room. Uh, definitely, that's my, my biggest attribute. And it's something that many people have instilled in me, especially my parents, and that I continue to learn through many people, such as Prem, that it, uh, it takes you far through many aspects in life. So you're starting your new training for the 2015 season on Monday. Yes. Um, what are the goals that you're setting? Can you tell us what they are for the 2015 year? There's no numbers set to it, everything. But uh, I know we'll sit down with my team. But I, I definitely would like to be competing for, for a top four ranking for uh, the end of next year. I think that would be the biggest goal. And I think I would like to definitely step up and, uh, and uh, give myself a possibility to win my first Grand Slam next year. That'd be exciting. All right, Milos Raonic, Canadian of the Year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Gordon Raman, and I'm the immediate past president of the Canadian Club of Toronto. And I'm sure you can all see why Milos Raonic is our choice for the 2014 Canadian of the Year. Milos, we continue to be impressed by your moves both on and off the tennis court. You have made millions of Canadians proud, not only because of your physical skill and ability, but because of your generous heart. You are a role model for young and old alike. Not only are you an athlete extraordinaire, but your commitment to improving the lives of disadvantaged children is admirable, particularly at such a young age. May your rankings continue to rise and the mission and vision of your foundation soar. And Ivanka, you know how to captivate and hold an audience on air and off. Thank you for joining us this morning. We really appreciate your skill in showing us Milos's story. Thank you both for an inspiring event.
I'd like to echo Gord's message of thanks. Thanks both Milos and Ivanka for joining us today. I feel totally inspired and ready to go. Um, thank you so very much. And it, may I just say again to Mr. and Mrs. Raunich, as I said to you earlier, um, what a gentleman. Um, not only is he a phenomenal athlete, but he's a class act and he's a real gentleman. And I think credit goes to you. So thank you. Thank you all. Now, before I adjourn, I'd like to draw your attention to the event survey card on each of your tables. We're always looking for ways to improve your experience here at the club. So please take a minute to help us by sharing your thoughts and comments. And please know we very much appreciate your feedback. This concludes our program today. We'd like to thank mediaevents.ca for live webcasting today's event. You can also visit the Canadian Club website to download webcasts and podcasts of other club events. And to learn more about our club and upcoming events, please visit us at www.canadianclub.org. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning. Our meeting is now adjourned.